RetroSeasons.com for more sports history. NBC presents the Joe DiMaggio Show. Starring the Yankee Clipper himself, Joe DiMaggio. Featuring Jack Barry. With the kids versus grown-up sports quiz. With Joe DiMaggio's personal answer to the listeners. A reporter's exciting story about this week's famous guest. And now, here he is, the star of our transcribed show, the center fielder of the world champion New York Yankees, and one of baseball's all-time greats. Here he is, in person, chosen Joe DiMaggio. Thank you, and hello, everyone. It's always a pleasure to spend this half hour here with you at NBC. And I'm sure you'll enjoy the sports speeches we've lined up for you this week. As usual, my radio partner, Jack Barry, is going to help me keep things moving. And the first thing we're going to do is answer some of those letters you folks have sent in. Who sent the first one, Jack? Miss Elizabeth Goth of Mallon, Texas, who writes and says, So many outfielders are injured as a result of crashing into the walls of ballparks that I've often wondered why they don't use rubber padding on the walls. Seems to me it would cut way down on painful injuries. Well, that is very true, Jack. However, there is one ballpark that they have rubber paddings around the wall, and that is in Brooklyn. Uh, to my knowledge, we don't have any in the American League. However, we also we have the gravel road there, which uh, signifies, of course, we're getting pretty close to the wall. And when that happens, why well, we generally pull up. Thank you very much, Joe. A letter now from Mr. Samuel Hart of Phoenix, Arizona, who writes: When a player is on the road, does his team foot the bill for all his expenses? Well, they foot the bill for uh, quite a bit. However, for our laundry and uh, cleaning and the phone bills, why well, we have to go for that ourselves. <laughs> I guess you don't make too many phone calls then. <laughs> Not too many. <laughs> Mr. Joseph Brownlee of Rochester, New York, writes to you and says, I read in the papers that you're starting a new television show. Is it true? Yes. As a matter of fact, my first television show just went on a few hours ago on NBC. And uh, I got a big kick out of doing it, Jack, and uh, I guess I'll get a bigger kick maybe as the time goes by. Yes, indeed. And as a matter of fact, your show will be on every Saturday from now on, 5.30 in the afternoon for a long time, sponsored by Lionel Trains. Well, I'm taking care of our letter answering session for this week, but Joe will continue to answer the most interesting letters from our listeners on future programs. And so, if you have a question you'd like to ask Joe DiMaggio, send your letter to Joe DiMaggio, care of NBC, 30 Rockefeller Plaza, New York City. Well, I always enjoy answering some of those letters, Jack, <laughs> and uh, I'd like to thank everyone who took the trouble in sending them in. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Once again, it's time for our sports quiz. And in just a moment, we'll find out who the experts are this week. But first, Jack, uh, how about telling us the rules of the game? Well, Joe, two teams are lined up on stage, and they're going to play a short three-inning baseball game. And for every question answered correctly, that team will score one run. At the end of the quiz, the team scoring the most runs is declared the winner. I'll pitch the questions, and Joe, suppose you umpire. Right, Jack, let's play ball. Today, we're going to have a little change of pace, Joe. Instead of the kids versus the grown-ups, on stages today are civilians versus the Navy. Representing the civilians, Miss Jean Collin. Representing the civilians, too, Mr. Bill Lolly. And for the Navy, it's Edward Whitbread, Hospital Corpsman First Class, and Meade Camengay, Mineman Second Class. And here we go, Jean Collin, you're up first for the civilians. Robert Ralph, Charlie Ruffing, and Harold Grange all have the same nickname. Can you tell us what it is? Um. I don't know. Joe? Uh, they're all better known as Red. Oh, Red. yes. <laughs> you know now, Jean? Yes, I do. <laughs> Too bad. No score. 
Uh, on we continue now to the Navy, Edward Whitbread. Ed, in what sport would you find the terms catch, sloop, cutter, and yawl? Our organist is going to play a song to help you. <laughs> Sailing. Sailing is correct. And of course, the song was Red Sails in the Sunset. Boy, if you hadn't gotten that one, you'd been in bad shape. <laughs> I had it before. <laughs> Bill? Bill Lolly, on to the civilians. Now, uh, on what National League team would you find these players? Marty Marion, Del Rice, and Enos Slaughter. St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals is the answer. So now it's on to the second member of our Navy team, Meade Camonier. Meade, who is the new men's amateur tennis champion? Is it Tom Brown, Budge Patty, or Arthur Larson? Oh, I'm sorry. The answer's Arthur Lawson. And the score at the end of the first inning of play is all tied up. The civilians have one run, and the Navy has one run. Okay. Here we go into the second inning of play. Let's see what happens in this inning. Right back to you, Gene Carlin. Was Glenn Davis, one of Army's famous touchdown twins, known as Mr. Inside or Mr. Outside? And this song will help you. What do you say, Jean? Outside. Outside is right, and of course the song was Baby, It's Cold Outside. Right back to hospital corpsman first class Edward Whitbread. Is the Vanderbilt Cup awarded in hockey, football, or automobile racing? Um, automobile racing. Automobile racing is correct. Bill Lally for the civilian. Sandy Sadler and Willie Pep recently met for the third time to decide the featherweight championship of the world. Which of these fighters now holds the title? Sandy Sadler. Sandy Sadler is the right answer. And the score is now three to two in favor of the civilians, and me, Cannon Gates of the Navy, you can still tie it up. Imagine for a moment that you're at a baseball game. The count on the batter is three and two. After hearing this next song, tell us what happens on the very next pitch. Does the batter get a hit? Does he walk? Or does he strike out? Here's the song. <laughs> I made. He takes a walk. He takes a walk is correct, and the song was Let's Take an Old Fashioned Walk. And the score at the end of the second inning of play, it's still all tied. Three for the Navy, three for the civilians. <laughs> all right. Here we go. This is the third and final inning. Now we're going to find out who knows more about sports today, whether it be the Navy or the civilians. Right back to Gene Carlin. Gene, what man on the baseball field is known as the traffic cop? Is it the second baseman, the umpire behind the plate, or the third base coach? Third base coach. The answer is a third base coach, and believe me, he has to direct plenty of traffic. And the civilians are in the lead by a score of four to three. Edward Whitbread, the professional football team of Los Angeles and the football team of Fordham University, both have the same nickname. What is that nickname? Rams. Rams is correct. And the score is tied again at four to four. Mr. Lolly, Bill Lolly for the civilians. Giant pitcher Magley recently pitched 45 consecutive scoreless innings. We want you to tell us his first name. It's a rather unusual name for a man, so here's a song which will help you. What do you say, Mr. Lolly? Sal. Sal is the name we're after, and the song was My Gal Sal. The civilians are in the lead by a score of 5-4. to four. Here is the final pitch of our last inning, Meade, Cam, and Gay for the Navy. It's up to you to see if you can tie the score. What college football team does Herman Hickman coach? Yale. Yale is correct. 
And so the score at the end of the third and final inning of play is all tied up, and we're going to have to go into a tie-breaking question. Here's how we do it. We ask each member of each team to give one answer to a rather difficult question. And the team which comes the closest with the answer, the closest answer, will, of course, win. Now, here is our question for today. Bob Feller holds the major league record for the most strikeouts in one season. How many men did he strike out to set that record? Gene Carlin, what is your guess? Um, 35. Edward Whitbread for the Navy, what do you think? 212. Bill Lally for the civilians? 258. And finally, Meade Camengay for the Navy? 138. And now I'm going to ask Joe DiMaggio to give us the correct answer. Bob struck out 348 men, and he set that record in 1946. And so the closest score, or the closest guess, was given to us by Bill Lally. He said 258. He is representing the civilian team. The civilians beat the Navy this week. team for winning this hard-fought victory today, and because you did win, we have a wonderful gift for you. Each of you on the winning civilian team will get a handsome RCA portable radio. And uh, we got something for you losers, too, in the Navy. Each of you will receive a year's subscription to Sport Magazine. And I'd like to thank the members of both teams for being on the quiz. You all did a fine job, and thanks for joining us. Each week, Joe DiMaggio invites a famous writer to tell his favorite sports story on our program. This week's story will be told by Lou Efrat, sports writer of the New York Times. And here he is, Lou Efrat. Hello, Lou. Lou, on your last visit to our show, you said you were going to take some singing lessons. Uh, how'd you make out? Well, I still have the same old foghorn voice, Joe. Guess I better stick to sports writing. But I really think I should take some lessons in how to make predictions for the baseball season. Uh, did you guess it wrong again this year, Lou? Did I? Football season <laughs> just around the corner, you know, and uh, so maybe you can redeem yourself. Uh, you mean you'd uh, really like to hear my football predictions? Sure, Lou. Go right ahead. Well, get ready for another fiasco. You know, in baseball, uh, I was fairly right, and I still think I'm right about the Yankees. I said it would be uh, the Yankees in a squeak, in a very tough squeak in the American League. And uh, despite the fact that you're sitting right alongside of me, Joe, I still think I'm right. I think your club will win the American League pennant. I might have been right there. However, in the National League, I said on this very same NBC program that the Dodgers would win in a walk. Mm -hmm. And uh, gosh, how wrong I've been there. <laughs> However, let's go back to football. Uh, in the uh, college ranks, I think in the East, it looks to me at this moment from... Uh, and uh, the point of vantage that I have, that it will be between Army and Cornell for supremacy in this section. Uh, in the South, the SMU, as Kyle wrote, has a chance to be outstanding. In the Far West, it looks like a toss-up between California and Southern California. Well, that sounds pretty good to me, Lou. By the way, you hold some kind of record for covering football games, don't you? That's right, Joe. In 1948, I believe it was, I covered 44 college and professional football games in a single season. As far as I know, and this might sound a little corny, but no other reporter can make that statement. Well, that was really a marathon, Lou. And now we'd like to hear your favorite story. Joe, my favorite story is about Gus March, the trainer for your club, the New York Yankees. You know, a trainer is almost as important to a ball club as a fleeting home run hitter. He's the first one to show up at the ballpark in the morning, and the last one to leave at night. 
and he spends that long day dispensing psychology and wisdom as well as first aid. Gus has meant a lot to the Yankees, and he's regarded as one of the best in his difficult trade. And now, Joe, I'd like you to hear a few episodes from Gus March's career. Gus March, known him for years. Ever since he was chief masseur at a famous health club here in New York. Matter of fact, that's where Chick Meehan of the New York University met him, too. Now, Chick realized that there was magic in Gus's hands. Magic that took the kink out of strained and painful muscles. Straightened out twisted sacroiliacs. Healed ugly bruises. And gave first aid and comfort to cracked bones. And so Chick went to him one day. Gus, I'll put it to you straight. How would you like a new job? Well, I don't know. You like sports? Sure thing. I like sports fine almost as much as I like putting on minstrel shows. Being trainer for a football team is no minstrel show, Gus, but it's almost as much fun. And a heck of a lot noisier, I'll guarantee that. Sounds interesting. In all fairness, Gus, I'd better warn you. Football players aren't easy to handle. They're temperamental, they're stubborn, and they're fond of collecting black eyes and broken collarbones for themselves. Oh, I guess I could take care of them all right. Then it's a deal. You've got yourself a new job, Gus. Well, let's shake on that. When do I start? Gus March was in sports now, and he was really devoted to that football team of his. Now, Gus isn't a doctor, but he always works with a doctor. And when the doc at NYU saw what he could do, he kept asking Gus to come downtown and treat a patient of his. Gus was so busy with his football team that he kept putting it off and making up one excuse after another. Until finally, the doctor asked Chick Meehan to intervene. Sure enough, Chick did. Want to see me, Chick? Yeah, Gus. Now, look, be a nice fellow and see this patient of Doc's, will you? Well, I've been meaning to, but I've been kind of busy. I know, but the Doc's in here every half hour crying on my shoulder. Now, this patient of his has got a bad sacroiliac and can't work unless he gets some kind of relief. Guess I ought to see him then, huh? Do that, will you, Gus? The guy's some kind of big shot, and the Doc says that you're the only one that can help him. Okay, I'll see him tomorrow. Today, Gus. Can't today. But crying out loud, why not? Raining. Oh, what's that got to do with it? Listen, Chick, when it rains, my boys all come down with sore muscles. When they got sore muscles, I got to be around to take care of them. So I'll see Doc's patient tomorrow. The boys come first. So the next day, Gus treated the Doc's patient. And Chick Meehan was curious. Who was this big shot who so urgently needed Gus's care? Oh, I don't know, Chick. Some fellow by the name of Cohn. He used to put on minstrel shows. Nice fellow. Would you fix him up? Oh, sure. That's a lot of baloney, though, about this guy being a big shot. Oh, how come? Guy's just some kind of actor. Nice fellow, though. What show is he in? I think he said it was some play about President of the United States. Gus, this show, was it called I'd Rather Be Right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like it. I guess he doesn't have any big part in it. He sure is a nice fellow. Gus, do you know who your patient is? Yeah, Mr. Cone. Cone, my foot. Your patient is just about the greatest actor in America. His name happens to be George M. Cohan. That a fact. Well, better be getting back to my boys, Chick. But as I said, that Cone fellow, he's sure a nice fellow. <laughs> I guess it wasn't a surprise to anyone when the New York Yankees signed Gus as their trainer in 1944. Gus liked the Yankees, and the Yankees liked Gus. Now, that's important. A player's got to have a lot of faith in his trainer. And the trainer, 
Well, you take the case of Johnny Lindell. Okay, Johnny, on the table for a rub down. Take it easy around my ribs, huh, Gus? What's the matter, kid? I don't know. I'm just a little sore, that's all. Now, let's take a look. Uh-huh. Oh. oh, what is that, Gus? You got a broken rib, son. We got to get you to the doctor. Oh, now, wait a minute, Gus, please. I, I got to play that game tomorrow. I just got to. Oh, no, son. It's out of the question. Well, look, couldn't you just sort of strap me up temporarily just so I can play the one game? One game doesn't matter a heck of a lot, Johnny. Oh, but it does. This is awful important to me, Gus. Well, I suppose I could fix you up temporarily, Johnny, but you know I can't stop the pain. No, that doesn't matter. I can stand the pain, but I got to play that game. Now, how about it, Gus? Oh, gone you, Johnny. I'm a dope for even listening to you. But you'll do it, won't you, Gus? Yeah, I'll do it if it's that important for you, Johnny. But as soon as you get off that field tomorrow, you go to the hospital, here. Yeah? Sure, sure, Gus. Uh, you won't tell anyone, huh? If I did, they'd have me up at the doctor's having my head examined. Hey, you know something, Gus? You're one swell guy. Ah, shut up and let me strap up that rib. Gus March kept his secret. Johnny Lindell played that game and played well. You see, Gus knew ball players, and he knew that playing that one game was better medicine than any doctor could prescribe for young Johnny. But last year, oh, my aching Yankee back. What a nightmare was 1949 for Gus March and that brittle group of men who called themselves the New York Yankees. Hey, hey, uh, hey, Gus, I twisted my ankle slide in second. You, you fixed me up, huh? Oh, no. Oh, the 53rd guy that's come in here with something busted. What's the matter with you guys? Your bones made of glass or something? But the Yankee casualty list continued to mount. 65 injuries, 70, 71, 72. And finally, an angry Gus March assembled his players and laid down the law. Listen, you blockheads, I've had enough. I'm sick of keeping you guys together with chewing gum and scotch tape. From now on, no more accidents, and that's an order. The next guy that comes in here limping, I'll, I'll send him to the morgue dead or alive, you hear me? No more accidents. And shortly after that, the troubled dreams of a certain Mr. Casey Stengel, occupation manager of a certain baseball team, were interrupted by a telephone call from a frantic Gus March. Hello, Casey. This is Gus. Casey, we got another injury. Yeah, another one. That makes it number 73, and this one's a beaut. You know what this dumb jerk does? He walks into a parking meter and breaks two ribs. Why, you tar and feather... You... Now, wait a minute, Casey. Don't get excited. What? Who is he? I'm calling from the hospital. It's me! Well, Joe... That's my story. And, Lou, we certainly enjoyed it. You know, Gus really played a big part in keeping the Yankees together last year, and I mean that literally. You know, Joe, we newspaper men drop in to see him pretty often, too. In fact, if my predictions don't improve, I'll be giving him plenty of my business. <laughs> well, thanks for that story, Lou. And believe me, as one of his star patients, I can tell you how valuable Gus really is. And now I'd like to present the trainer of the New York Yankees, Gus March. <laughs> Gus, welcome to our show. Thanks, Joe. It's nice to be here. Well, Gus, you've trained football players as well as baseball players. Which job was toughest? Well, Joe, if football were to be played every day, I would say that football would be the tougher of the two. We have a man injured. We have a whole week to get him back in shape. 
Now you take baseball. As you know, we play every day. We don't have a whole week. You only have a few hours to get the boys back in shape. So therefore, I would think that baseball is tougher because you haven't got the time to do your work. Uh-huh. And what's the most common injury to baseball players, Gus? Joe, you should answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> Joe has more strawberries from the flag than any man I know of. I would say the strawberry is the most common injury. Few people don't know what a strawberry is. You just get the high torn off you every time you slide into base. Joe is full of them. And believe me, that's as many a sleepless night I've spent through them. Uh, I guess the Yankees kept you pretty busy last year, didn't they, Gus? Well, they sure did, Joe. Uh, as you know, we had uh, 74 injuries. Now, I'm not sure whether we can really count the last injury as being part of the season. You see, we had 73 injuries. I was the 73rd. And uh, I'm going to let it up to you to let me know whether 74th is really a, a season injury. You see, just as Tommy Hendrick caught a foul ball to end the ball game, to wind up the season, and we knew that we won the pennant, Bill Dickey was so delighted, he jumped off the seat, hit his head on the roof of the dugout, and collapsed on the floor. <laughs> That's a true story, too, ladies and gentlemen, because I happened to see it. So I would say that was part of the season. That goes with the yell, but don't you think so, Gus? Yes, I guess we'll have to include old Bill and us. Gus, I always enjoy hearing you tell about your interview with Joe McCart when you first came to work for the Yankees. How about letting the audience in on it? Gus, he says, uh, what do you know about psychology? Well, I said, Joe, I said, I've studied it in college, and I've applied it during the years I've been training. Okay, he said, I'm going to see how good you are. Now he's going to tell you a little story. One day, he said, I get a hold of Frank Corsetti, and I said, Crow, Garrick is dying over there, face face. He hasn't got any pets. He's lackadaisical. He's phlegmatic in his movement. He said, I want you to wake him up. Now, this was the time that Garrick was in the prime of life. So Corsetti said, okay, Joe, tell me what to do, and I'll be glad to do it. He said, okay. He said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Every time he says, you see a ball come to you, grab a hold of that ball. He said, throw it to face base. Throw it as hard as you can. He said, knock Garrick off the bag with it. See another ball coming? Pick it up. He says, throw it high, throw it low. I don't care how you throw as long as you throw it hard. So he said, he says, okay, Joey. So I'll be glad to do it. He said, but supposing Garrick gets mad at me. He says, what do we care if he gets mad? He says, as long as we wake him up. So he said to me, okay, do you get the point? I said, well, sure. I said, if I was Garrick, I'd get angry myself, and I'd throw the ball back hard to Cassetti. Oh, he says, you've missed the point entirely. There was nothing wrong with Garrick. Cassetti was the guy that was dying. <laughs> Gus, besides being a trainer, you've also done some coaching, uh, haven't you? Yes, I coached swimming at Manhattan College. I coached up there for about 12 years during the time I trained the other sport. Mm-hmm. How'd your teams make up? Well, we, uh, we won the Catholic College Championships one year, and had two individual champions in the Eastern Collegiate Swimming Association meet. And now, Gus, tell us something about your new school for trainers. Joe, I'm very proud of that school. This will be my third year. This school will open January the 4th in Bartow, Florida, and will run through to February the 8th. It's in conjunction with a baseball school down there run by Ed Lopat, our pitcher from New York Yankees. Art Passarella has an umpire school, and I conduct a trainer school. We hope your school is a big success, and I'd like to thank you for being with us this week. But Thanks. don't go away, because we're going to need you again in just a moment. Thanks again, Gus March. Thank you. Well, Joe... 
the start of the program, you answered all those letters, which our listeners were nice enough to send in. Now I'm going out to the studio with a portable microphone and give the audience here a chance to pitch their questions at you and at Gus Marsh and at Lou Efrag. Well, start pitching, Jack. We're ready. Your name, sir? My name is William Fine. Where are you from, Mr. Fine? I'm from Flushing, New York, sir. Who is your question for? My question is for Gus Morse. What's the question? What's the procedure when a player is injured? What's the first thing that's done? Well, it depends, of course, what the injury is. If a man is unconscious when I get on the field, we don't move him. We don't know whether he has a broken neck, which could be. So we try to bring the consciousness first. And we're always safe in applying ice. Ice is the first order, regardless of what the injury is. Thank you very much, Gus. You. Your name, sir? George Hall. Where are you from, sir? Brockville, Canada. And who's your question for? Uh, Lou Eckert. What's the question? Were you ever an athlete, Lou? <laughs> Maggio must have put you up to that one. I made every second team in the history of Thomas Jefferson High School in Brooklyn. <laughs> second team Efrat, they call me. I played baseball, football, soccer, swimming. I was not a good athlete, but I was an athlete. Thank you, Lou. Your name, sir? James O'Dell. Where are you from? St. Louis. And who's your question? Sir? Are baseball players prohibited from flying in the airplanes during the season? No, they are not uh, prohibited. Uh, as a matter of fact, there are several ball clubs that fly today. However, if an individual wants to fly, he can do that on his own. He should get the consent of the management. That is the front office. Thank you, Joe. Your name, please? And this is El Diagonal. Where are you from? Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. And who's your question for? Uh, Gus Marsh. Mm -hmm. What's the question? I'd like to know what's the best way to reduce. <laughs> <laughs> well... Reducing, it depends, of course, on the patient's age. We would advise both exercise and diet. Uh, from the diet, I would cut out all starchy foods, such as bread, potatoes, noodles, and so on. I would do enough walking, and uh, if you're young enough, I would do a little uh, light exercises. Fast light exercises reduces. Slow, heavy exercise increase weight. And, of course, the two exercises which are most important to be able to shake your head from side to side and say no, to refuse that last portion, and take your two hands, push it against the table, and get yourself away from that table. And if that doesn't work, I recommend a good, strong girdle. <laughs> your name, sir? Eddie Condon. Where are you? <laughs> Mr. Condon? New York City. And uh, what instrument do you play? I mean, uh, <laughs> none whatsoever. <laughs> Who's your question for? Lou Effort. What's the question? Uh, Lou, is it true that reporters get a lot of free tickets for baseball games? No, it's not true. We don't get a lot of free tickets. Uh, within reason, the front offices will let us have what we want. By that, I mean two or four. If you get beyond that, you're in trouble. Thank you, Lou. Your name, please? George Wilde. Where are you from? Los Angeles, California. And who's your question for? Uh, Mr. Mr. Marsh? Mr. Marsh, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the question? Can baseball players take a lot of pain, or are they a lot of sissies? <laughs> well, I don't think that there's a man that's in any kind of sport that could be classed as a sissy. They've got to be pretty good, rugged individuals to play any sport. Thank you. Your name, sir? Jerry LaBerge. Where are you from? Montreal, Canada. And who's your question for? Lou Effort. Mm -hmm. What is it? Uh, where can you go after you become a sports reporter? <laughs> that depends on the individual. As far as I'm concerned, I'm very happy where I am now. If I weren't writing sports now, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd be going to these sports events myself. I'd pay to get in. I'd sit in the back. I'm doing all these things, and I'm right up there in front. I love it. Thank you, Lou. 
Your name, sir? Frank Hall. Where are you from, Frank? Salt Lake City, Utah. Who's your question for? Mr. Morris. Mm -hmm. How do you handle a Charlie horse? Well, a Charlie horse is a contracted muscle with a hemorrhage underneath it. Now, the first thing we do for Charlie horse is to apply ice, as I said before. 24 hours later, we apply heat and mild massage, and we go through a stretching motion. We stretch the muscle, you see. And the heat and the mild massage gets away that hemorrhage, and the Charlie horse reduces. It's nothing more but a contracted muscle. Last Charlie horse I had came in third and paid 220. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't get those Charlie horses between the ears, it's okay. <laughs> your name, please? Margaret Herney. Where are you from? Newton, Massachusetts. Who's your question for? Joe DiMaggio. What's the question? I've often seen your name in the columns linked with a man named George Solitaire. Who is he? Uh, you mean, you said a man? Yeah. <laughs> That's certainly a different twist. But George Solitaire happens to be a very good friend of mine. This here in New York City, we live together. We have an apartment, uh, one of the hotels. And he happens to be in the ticket agency business. Just a dear friend of mine. Joe, is there any truth to the rumor that George Salter is sometimes called the Yogi Berra of the ticket brokers? <laughs> Joe, it's about all the time we have for questions in the studio audience today. Well, thanks for your questions, folks. We certainly enjoyed answering them. And Lou Epprat, reporting that story about Gus Marsh, we'd like you to accept this wonderful, million-proof, 12-and-a-half-inch RCA television set. And I'd like to thank Gus Marsh and Lou Epprat for joining us this week. Many thanks for coming down. our show for this week, but I hope you'll all be able to join us again next week and we'll have our sports quiz, a reporter's exciting story about our sports guest interviews and answers to you, our listeners. So until then, this is Joe DiMaggio reminding you to be a good sport. Goodbye. <laughs> NBC has presented the Joe DiMaggio Show, starring one of baseball's all-time greats, Joe DiMaggio, and featuring Jack Barry. Join us again next week at the same time over these same NBC stations for another entertaining and interesting half-hour of sports. In this week's dramatic cast, you heard Charles Irving, Mandel Kramer, and Jackson Beck. Music was by Arlo, sports consultant Gene Shore. The transcribed Joe DiMaggio show is written by Mike Oppenheimer and Gene Gurley and directed by Dan Enright. This is Lionel Rico speaking.